We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Wednesday morning. It's February 8th, and I'll be joined by Jason Frederick. Hey, Pioneer Press yeah. here in a second. I feel like Kobe in, in a fourth quarter. Sixers last night, and it just takes some stock of where the Wolves are at right now, and also how we're all just kind of hanging on the lack of news around Carl Anthony Towns and his injury. But before we get into that, two things I wanted to put on your schedule. Real quick, um, first one a little bit more down the line is April 6th at 7 p.m. Myself, Britt Robson, and Kyle Tige will be doing a live podcast at Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. We thought that would be kind of an ideal time, sort of right before the play-in playoffs to gather and have those of you uh, who can come, come ask us questions that we can answer live on the show like we have in the past. So mark that on your calendar, April 6th. 7 p.m. at Falling Knife is when it will start. You can get there a little bit early. I'm sure I'll be there by 6 if you want to come have a beer before. Kyle's going to be flying in from Portland, and I just got confirmation from Britt last night that that Thursday, April 6th, works. And also check out Falling Knife in the meantime, uh, maybe this Friday, for Wolves Nets. Uh, And then lastly, before we bring in Jace, one final reminder that I'm teaching a class on the evolution of sports media this Thursday. Uh, from 7 to 9 p.m. at Eisenhower Community Center in Hopkins. Uh, Nothing wrong with signing up day of. If that's something you or a friend uh, might want to attend, get into, uh, yeah, a a whole lot of things that I honestly don't really talk about on on the podcast ever uh, about my experience in uh, in sports media and how I've seen, even in kind of my brief-ish time doing this, how I've seen the media landscape evolve and what it was just like to kind of get into sports media uh, independently. Again, you can uh, sign up for that class uh, just by Googling uh, Evolution of Sports Media Hopkins. You can go to my Twitter. It's the pinned tweet at the top of the profile. And the link is also in the show notes for this episode in your podcast player. Uh, Sorry to hit you with all that off the top. We will now bring in Jace to talk some Wolves Sixers and also to talk about what the heck is going on with Kat. All right, we are joined now by Wolves beat writer Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press. Jace, we got the uh, Wolves 117-94 uh, loss to the, to the Philadelphia 76ers on Tuesday night. 
to get to here. Um, I mean, obviously a game that was very losable, you know, for, for the Wolves. I don't, I mean, I, I think Phil is like the fourth, fifth best team in the league right now. I didn't, I didn't come into that game thinking the Wolves were win or expecting the Wolves would win. At the same time, I didn't see them losing by 23 and they were Vegas favorites. They were the, the, the Wolves two and a half point favorites. Yep. And that was probably a product of the back to back. I think if I was bet, I probably would have taken you know taken Philly in that. Obviously, no Harden. To I guess if people didn't watch um, the game, James Harden and that was, wasn't. And the line was like pre Harden news being out, but but Vegas usually kind of has a hint on those things when they make those lines as well. Somehow, yes. Uh, but it was Embiid, right? Embiid is what what stood out there. I mean, Tyrese Maxey I think also put in uh, twenty seven, but Embiid had thirty nine points in three quarters, seven boards, four assists, three blocks dominant um i i actually he's like one of those guys for me the the one time a year you know eastern conference team the one time a year we get to watch in person it, it is one of my favorite players to watch in person because it i mean you can see on tv he's gigantic he is the most strikingly gigantic person uh i i have ever like ever seen play basketball uh in person and he's he's only getting better was was absolutely uh dominant in that game what what stood out to you most about Embiid's performance against Gobert and the Wolves last night? I just loved the composure of it all. Um, sure. There were a few times to start the game like where Embiid tried to work his way inside um, against Gobert and tried to score at the bucket um, as he's usually so dominant at doing. And like one time, you know, Gobert sent it away and then it went right to like Melton who splashed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, though, like, you could tell Embiid was like, okay, I'm not getting the calls here. Like, this game is, is definitely getting officiated looser. Um, and, you know, Gobert is obviously a very good interior defender. So Embiid just kind of adjusted his game. Like, and he he became more of a jump shooter, but it, it wasn't necessarily settling. Like, he's really good in the mid-range. And yeah. he he was getting to the spots that he likes um, and, and just finding different ways to score. Like, he's adapting and adjusting. And there was never like a... You know, so many guys we've seen Cat do this, and it's very frustrating. Like, you get shut down at the rim. Like, the next time you're putting your head down and you're trying to do it again. Like, in there was one play, though. There was, there was one play. He hit like those two mid range jumpers on Gobert. And Gobert was kind of giving him that. He's like, Gobert's game plan was clearly like, we don't want him to get to the free line. So I'm trying to take away the, the drive there. And even though Embiid was kind of making some of the mid ranges, I don't know if it was like, it was probably late first quarter. And I think the Wolves, the Wolves are winning. And you saw like Embiid get a little frustrated. I like tap for it. I'm like, he's going to put his head down right here and just like try and go through Rudy. And he did. And I'm like, okay, we have like frustrated Embiid. Like maybe this is a window. And to your point, like he did strike the composure back in. I think that's a signal of Embiid's growth over, you know, these past like five years or whatever is that composure and ability to just, I mean, we talk all the time about a lack of consistency uh, with, with the Wolves and particularly like in particular, the Wolves' best players like Ant. And and that's that's the difference, right? Is that consistency is what makes you uh in an MVP candidate. Let's play, let's play Ant. Uh you asked Ant about what is we, we should say Ant goes, yeah, come over here, guys. I want to talk about a beat. And so Jace Jace teased this up right away with uh Anyway, your thoughts about MVP. <laughs> Most valuable player in the NBA, for sure. And with this, when he's hitting jumpers like that, is it no answer really? Man, I look up at my my trainer, and you know he said you just gotta tilt your hat, man, to to greatness, you know. So 
he was he was great tonight. Is there also, I mean, for you guys offensively, is there going to be just nights like that where you're just not hitting shots? Or, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've been playing, we've been hitting shots, we've been shooting great from three from the three ball. So, I mean, you know, nights like this are bound to happen. You got to get over it, look past the next game. Hopefully, we we back to ourselves. Is he on your mind as you get into the paint when you're playing against Embiid? Huh? Is Embiid on your mind when you're going into the paint when you're playing against him? No, 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 no. He's good, but no. There's Ant's thoughts on uh, on Joel Embiid. Those are pretty much Ant answers. Like with with like a certain emotion or something, or like with with a certain like tenor, where you can understand what he's saying, but he's not saying a lot. But he he just kind of he gets uh, you know exactly how he feels, and he can do it without so many words. It it, he is of any player I've covered the most. uh, It matters to be there, standing there, yes, hearing him say it. Uh, If you read the quote sheet, you'd be like. He didn't say anything. Right. Like, exactly. No, but but he expressed his opinions, you know. He yes, he, he did. And and you know what I, I thought, Jason, in, in this game too, obviously the offensive performance was was dominant from a B, but I think where he I mean, the Wolves really struggled offensively in that game. And we'll talk a little bit about this. Like that's kind of been a through line here since the trade that the offense has been really volatile. But it, again, in person, it really stood out to me how impactful. Um, Embiid was defensively in in limiting a Wolves already kind of limited offense right now. Uh, what what stood out to you about um, about how Embiid defended specifically, or maybe how the Wolves offense couldn't get going, and how Embiid was a factor in that? Yeah, um, well, Embiid I thought just did a really great job. He does an excellent job defending with verticality at the rim, um, yeah. and and it really is like it's kind of a Rudy effect of like. If you go in there, you're going to go up against this monstrous man who's just playing a straight up vertical wall, and it's really hard to score over that. And he might block your shot too. Uh, but and also, like he's able to switch a lot of things. Um, like Philly's able to go over really switch heavy, and that definitely flustered Minnesota. Like the screen and roll was not generating easy offense, um, and then Minnesota just tried to attack switches one on one with like face you up, size you up, mm-hmm. slow basketball, and had no ball movement. So like it. Because of the player Embiid is, like, they're able to play that kind of scheme and, like, clearly, which flustered Minnesota. Um, so I, I think it, as much as anything, it was, like, his versatility. Like, he can be this dominant interior defender, and he's also very good at switching, um, you know, and agile enough to do that. Like, that was kind of it for me, like, the versatility of him and, and the different ways in which he can impact the game defensively. And then it's, like, at that point, if he is being versatile defensively and able to defend in multiple coverages defend multiple players that's where you get to the point where it's like ant is the only guy who can really go at him and if you watch that game last night i think that was really apparent you look at the stat sheet after the game and you see ant has 32 points and the wolf starters as a whole have 54 you know there was there was nothing else offensively in that game from the wolves outside of ant and Again, that's not 100% an Embiid thing. I think Embiid made it worse. But this team is starving for another offensive option. And, it, and it's weird to say because we've seen a couple of like, like that Sacramento game, was in terms of offensive rating, was their second best offensive game of the year. But I would say just to the eye test, might have been their best of, of the season. They've had They've had two really good offensive games since the trade. And then if you just kind of look at it, seven have been below average. 
Um, there's been so much this up and down. And, and I think it's really those ups. You have multiple players going offensively right now that feel more, most recently it's been that second, or if you can get a third has been McDaniels, Conley or Gobert, maybe Nas sometimes, but they need at least two guys going probably three to, to beat a team like Philadelphia. And it's just right now they, they don't have someone that they can rely on to do that in the way that they could with D'Angelo Russell, who wasn't perfectly reliable, but was more consistent in his offensive impact than Gobert was, is, than Conley is, and than, than McDaniels is. Where, where, do they, where do they go to get a, a second scoring punch here um, in this, again, interim time without Cat? I don't think it's that kind of team. Um, I don't think it's a team where it's like, okay, Ant's turn, your turn, like, okay, mm-hmm. who's going to step up and be that secondary scorer? Like, Ant scored all the points last night. I thought Ant played really poorly. Uh, I, I think he definitely got into, like, okay, they switched. I've got a matchup here. I'm going to size it up, play iso ball. Like, he took 10 shots in the first quarter, mm-hmm. and there was no movement, and Ant has to be the one who sparks ball movement. Right. Like, and it's it's the switch kind of made life more difficult on Ant in that he then sees that as a matchup to take advantage of, where when two come on the ball, he's instantly like, okay, I know I'm supposed to get off this here. And that sparks good offense. I think when the second doesn't come, then Ant doesn't have that trigger in his mind of like, I should get off it here. So he's like, I should attack this. And now it's Ant iso ball, not against like a super winnable matchup. Ant iso ball, Ant iso ball. Um, and he's going against switches where Embiid is oftentimes still in the paint. Right. Um, so it's like this that's is what it is. Is the other guys can stay home. It's like okay, cool, Ant, you can take Tobias Harris off the dribble or whoever, but Embiid's there at the rim. Who again? He Ant finished around, but yeah. the other three Shot guys are staying home. Like yep. That that's the the thing. It, like most teams are trying to limit Ant by just showing that double right away or right. in a pick Getting and roll double double yeah. the coverage, get it out of his hands. But it's almost if I was coaching against this Wolves team right now, and I did have a center who I felt like could be a real deterrent at the rim, not even in B Gobert level, but just like a capable rim protector, right. I'd be like, other three guys stay home and let's let's limit this. And you kind of I would want the score sheet to look like that. All right. We gave we gave up 30 to Ant, but we but nobody else Nas Reed didn't have four made threes. Jade McDaniels didn't have four made threes. You know, like that seems like the antidote to the Wolves' not very potent offense right now. Right, and I think that's where, like, it's not the easy way to do it, but you still have to find ways to move the ball more. Um, because when this team gets stagnant, it looks bad. Um, and that, and that like, Ant last night, one assist, two turnovers, took 10 shots in the first quarter. Like, it looks great. Like, yeah, Ant's really, fu- like, going right now, but nothing else is. Like, and it's just a one-man show, and everybody else kind of falls to the wayside. Like, that's where you even hear it from, like, Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert. They're like, we need to move the ball more, you know? And you can tell it's kind of like, you're kind of talking about Ant without talking about Ant. Like, Because you also like, can't, like, be they're... mad at him. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, and you're being, like, you're, you're, you're holding him accountable there, and I, I agree with that. But it, it is hard for Ant, too, because it's like, all right, well, who am I, uh, who am I swinging it to here if it's not a double? Like this is what we said the other times when like, yeah. And right after the break when it's like, well, he's got no one else. And then they play like some games of, 
relatively decent offense, um, mm-hmm. good enough offense. And it's by moving the ball. It's by getting others involved. Mm-hmm. Like it's by just playing a rhythm flowing offense. You don't need great offensive players yeah. when you just play with good rhythm and flow and movement. And then guys end up with shots in natural motion and they knock those down. Like, mm-hmm. so then when they get out of that, we can't just instantly go like they can't play bad offense. And then we go, well, right. they don't have anybody other than it. Like it's, we've seen it now. Like we've seen right. it numerous times. Like you don't need like a score number two, um, right. to, be able to run good offense in the NBA. They just, they played bad offense last night. Mm-hmm. That, to me, it was that simple. Um, I understand what you're saying. And in the playoffs, yeah. I know like it's half court offense. You need more scores, but like, I also don't want to let them off the hook of like, and sure. led the charge on bad offense last night. Yep. And a good team like Philly is going to swallow that up. And I think the, when we're talking about a second score, something additional offensively for this team, it probably isn't an individual it is the defense that leads right. into the offense. Let's take a quick break. I do have that clip from Kyle. I want to play that. Um, and then let's talk about how the defense kind of factors into this new look Wolves team since the trade. So back with Jason in a sec. Today's show is brought to you by the Genesis Company. The Genesis Company is the MVP of the business game. With their advanced marketing techniques, they've helped over 300 brands generate over $3 billion in retail sales. So if you're an entrepreneur with any size brand or product, they're the best in the business. And for being fans of the pod, they're offering free access to their proprietary AI technology that helps founders uncover the true potential of their brand. Find out how big your brand or product should be. Don't let your competition steal the lead. Email them at grow at thegenesiscompany.com and claim your spot at the top of the game. That's grow at thegenesiscompany.com. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, back with Jace Frederick. Um, Jace, we, you know, post-game press conference where we know it was a bad offensive game. Finch knows it's a bad offensive game and we're asking him, you know, about what it is. And he's, he talks to us about the need for ball movement, particularly against a, a switching defense and the need for pace in the offense. And I thought Kyle, when we then afterwards went in the locker room and asked him about it, I think he kind of tied those things together where it's like, yes, you need this pace and ball movement on offense, but that is so hard to do if you do not have the defense there first. So here's Kyle. You like the pace to be higher tonight. Is that how, how do you speed the game up? Is it kind of a defensive ball pressure thing, or where does it start? It's, it's tough when uh, you're taking the ball out the, at the rim to – you know, speed the pace up when you got to inbound the ball every time. Now, obviously, if you get stops, we can run, but uh, they did a good job of getting back. They did a job, good job of scoring on offense, so we can't really run like we wanted to. Every 
everything really kind of does start and end with this team defensively? I mean, all the, you know, 50, 61 teams I've been on in this league, it's, you know, we've been really good defensively. So I think that's where you got to hang your hat if you want to have a good offense, unless you got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. <laughs> I like the little giggle there at the end. Um, it's been an interesting it's like a shot at the Warriors for like just being good at scoring. Right? <laughs> Who also weren't the Warriors like also on defense last year, right? I mean, yes, they're not. Yep. They're, they're not. No, they were very good. They hung their hat on that. Yes. I mean, but I would say their shooting more makes up for the 20 stupid turnovers they mm-hmm. make a game. But so the defense has been a weird thing all year where, you know, overall, I think the Wolves are still like 10th in defense this season, which like, you know, you come into the year and even when we did have our 50 win rose colored glasses on, right? Like they were like, yeah, top 10 defense. Right. And that, you know, should, should feel like uh, a win. And again, like before the trade 18th on offense, ninth on defense. And, and now since the trade, they're 19th on offense, 16th on defense. And um, that's not what we expected taking D'Angelo Russell out of the equation I mean, I would assume some of this is an acclimation process. I think we see flashes of awesome defense. Like, like the Kings game was a scoring barrage from both that teams. Is, but there was like 10 awesome defensive possessions for the Wolves, too. It's, it's, it's weird. How many Sacramento games in Sacramento particularly do not end up with those scores? I mean, like right, they yeah. it, Sacramento is great at getting you to play the way they want to play. Mm-hmm. And Minnesota just kind of out Sacramento and Sacramento. But yep. like. To be fair, like it, I think a lot of good defensive teams probably have went into Sacramento this year and given up 125 points. Yeah, that's totally. just kind of the I way mean, they're those the number one offense. Played. Yeah, right. um, it, it's just again as as I I think about this team in the interim period, or even once Cat gets back, or or the playoffs. It, or I guess I I don't know. Cat, what if Cat's back into it? Like you, it would feel like you would need a little less defense, but because then he's your that second scoring punch with Ant. But right now the defense feels like it is the second scoring punch. It inspires the pace and inspires the ball movement. You're not grabbing it out of the rim. I mean, I, how do they get that more consistently? Do different players need to play? I mean, I feel like they're playing like they're nine guys that they're playing right now. I don't see a huge like defensive wart uh, in, in any of those guys. It's just, there hasn't been there hasn't been consistency, so I'm kind of like lost for what to expect or hope for defensively because I feel like they've addressed the clear holes that were in the rotation defensively. Those players are either not on the team anymore or are out of the the rotation. So what what what's the answer defensively for this team? I think it's I I kind of have two answers. Um, in general, I think it totally comes down to. Ant and Jaden coming out and setting that tone of being like the aggressive in your face perimeter defenders that really like make it hard to breathe for the opponent. And we see them have those possessions and like even stretches where like it's hard to get into your offense um, because the ball pressure is that great. Um, And like every first quarter with Jaden, it is like, man, this looks like this team is going to have real problems offense. That's conducive for turnovers. That's conducive just for bad shots because you can't get into anything Mm -hmm. you want to get into. Like that's how you know, it leads to bad shots that lead to fast breaks. It's turnovers that lead to fast breaks. Like that, that is when this team is at its absolute best and Ant gets hit on the party. And like, that's when Minnesota is like the team where you're like, oh, this team really could beat anybody because this is elite level defense. I will say like with Philly, 
it's kind of harder when you have an Embiid and Gobert has to play him so loosely. Yeah. And and now it's like you can't have constant pressure because whenever Embiid gets the ball in the perimeter, there is no pressure. Mm. So it like I use the word release valve a lot, and it's Embiid is that for them. Um, yeah. you know, like like if it's Gobert on him, it automatically they have an easy pass they can make to a really good offensive player mm. who has space to operate and can kind of run the offense through him, whether that's dribble handoffs, screen and rolls, whatever it is. Instantly, that defensive pressure, if you're playing drop against Embiid, kind of goes to the wayside. So I think it's hard to achieve when the other team has a shooting big that Rudy has to cover. Yeah, right. And that's kind of if we look at the last three games, because they've played three elite offensive centers and Anthony Davis, Demontis Sabonis, and and Joel Embiid uh, these these last three games. But that, like, it, uh, Davis and Sabonis are elite offensive players without really having that stretch element to their game. Yeah, they can do it, but it's definitely not like Embiid is far better at it. And and Embiid is, is not always what he was last night against it, but but no, but he's a better is, jump shooter than yes. Anthony Davis for sure. You know, and and, and I think he's right. For, right. I think it's fair to say for sure better than Sabonis there too. And I I thought it was it was interesting. You know, you you asked Finch uh about that and and I think you asked you know Ant about it about it too about being able to defend against those elite stretch bigs when you are in drop coverage with with Rudy Gobert and I don't, I wasn't really sold on like any of the answers right like Finch was like oh we got to veer back and like get to that and Ant was kind of like well there's not many guys out there like Embiid and you were kind of like well there's like Miles Turner and Christoph Porzingis I mean is obviously drop coverage is the best coverage for Rudy he's elite at it he has been um but that really to your that's the release valve, right? Like that's the thing is even when it gets bogged down and you don't have a good isolation opportunity for Maxi or for Embiid, you can just go to that and kind of worst case get a Joel Embiid squared up three point shot, like kind of like the same thing you can get with Nas every time because because mm-hmm. you he's just gonna be there and he's gonna have a window to take a lightly contested three. I mean, I was thinking about it like. In the West, though, for a playoff series, I was like, that's going to get picked on in a playoff series, right? You, you would think this is a clear weakness in this team, in their defensive concept. But how many teams in the West can really hurt them with that? You know, if you just kind of go down the list, it's like that's like Jokic can kind of shoot those threes too, but they don't they don't run like a ton of pick and no. pop action. He's initiating. DeAndre it's, Ayton's it's, not a shooter. Yep. Like Jaron Jackson isn't really the fight. He isn't really their screen setter. Like he can shoot it. But that's more Stephen Adams, Xavier Tillman. It's kind of it's kind of interesting as you go down. Ant was like, "Oh no, we're we're fine. There's not a lot of impedes out there." And me and you both were like, "Well, there's Porzingis, there's Turner, there's that." But they are kind of Eastern Conference teams. I hadn't really thought about that until until that 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 interaction happened. So is it? I guess this is glass half full. But is this not a huge concern as it connects to a play-in or playoff series? Because play-in too, it's you know Zubats against the Clippers. Like, there's just not a lot of stretch bigs out there in the West. No, I agree with you. Um, And I think you're right. And I think that's a good point. And so I think to start any game, like, you're probably going to really be able to set the tone you want to. And the issue always is, like, when an opponent adjusts, goes small, and now they're running screen and rolls with, like, maybe more of, like, a 3-4 hybrid who, you know, is a shooter. Like, and then what do you do? Um, But that's it. You know, and, and teams will not go to that to begin a game. 
mm-hmm. um, at least not like in the beginning of a series and certainly not in the first quarter of a playing game. Like maybe like their bench guys like, yeah, sure. And then like, like Trey like, Lyles for the Kings. Like if you, if you played them, you know, he's still going right. to get like, in, yeah, minutes right. It. Right. Right. Uh, but it, it's, it's definitely not plan A for teams. So you're automatically getting teams out of what they prefer to do. Right. Um, and, and that takes a while to adjust because coaches always want to go with what they do best first mm-hmm. um, or what they're most comfortable with. So, yeah, I mean, I do agree that there are not many teams in the West built to kind of crush them with their base, you mm-hmm. know, like and and that's a pretty big advantage for Minnesota. Sure. Like, yeah, fourth quarter, if it's a tight game, maybe a team does go small and then it's like, what do you do? And And that's been rooted in the past, obviously, but like that's it where it's up pretty well for your first half defense yeah and and again like if you do have cat in the fold it sounds weird to like say you know put cat into the position at the five for defensive purposes but if you did face that like against second units in a playoff series or a point like because dallas could kind of do that with kleba too you know like you could stagger your rotations in a way where when Sabonis is on the floor, you're in drop with Rudy. And when Trey Lyles is on the floor, you're up in coverage with Cat, who had obviously had success on that. And you kind of remove the whole pick and roll or pick and pop part of it. And you got to then you got to defend on on the backside. But I think that is obviously, you know, kind of we didn't even bring up Cat when we're talking about the offense um, that he will add that. But it's also that's also another thing that they can kind of throw at teams or those backup stretch bigs when, when cat is back is a more agile, more perimeter oriented five um, in, in pick and roll coverage. So I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think it's like the end of the world. It was the end of the world last night against Philly, but, but maybe isn't big picture. I, I do think that the best look they had and they only went to it like two possessions because then he subbed out was Certainly, Kyle Anderson on Joel Embiid, um, and with it's particularly when they could have Rudy down by the rim, like 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 you mentioned, they do with Jokic, um, and they did it like two possessions, and Embiid made a really tough mid range, like yep. over Kyle Anderson was on him, like mm-hmm. super tight. Gobert was waiting down low, so Embiid just kind of pulled up and chucked up a bad shot and yeah. drilled it because he was hot. You know, he'd yeah. already established that rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the best look for Minnesota. If, I think you got to start with it, though, man. Like, yeah, I agree with you. I was surprised when they didn't start with it, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, because you can say we well, just want to enforce Embiid to those mid-range shots. Guess what? Like, he's worked a ton on those. Like, yeah. I'm not saying he's like Kevin Durant, but you wouldn't be like, we want Kevin Durant to settle for, you know, 15 feet, 15 footers that are like right. three feet open. Like, Embiid is, he's going to make those more often than not. You can't well, and he's like, going to get his tip- little pump fake thing and he's, he gets the line from the mid-range a lot. Got to got to tip your cap if Embiid's making wide open threes. Well, he's gonna shoot 39 percent on wide open threes, like yeah. wide open like they were last night. Like that's mm-hmm. great offense for Philly. Like, what do you mean you got? Yeah, you got to tip your cap if he goes four for four. But like, that's not a good defensive plan yeah. to be like. Want to let Joel Embiid fire away from wide open up top? It's like nope. That's Kyle Anderson was a much better like a could like stick with him on the perimeter and like it's just smart enough where he's not going to fall for like little pump fakes and whatnot like as soon as Nas was in the game and beads like I'm gonna go buy this guy right. um Kyle I think was a really nice balance of the two but like I said once they did that did it like three possessions Kyle subbed out Nas went in and it was just kind of over they never really went back to Kyle on Embiid but I do think they kind of seem to be trying to trying to limit Kyle a little bit I think for his health purposes mm-hmm. and maybe that's part of the thing of matchups not wanting to give him Embiid the whole game but um, I think if it if it came down to it, seasons on the line, a matchup like that, it's got to be Kyle. Yeah, it's 
But then if Cat's in the game, then you, you can't. So right. <laughs> it, it feels to me like there's there's some hesitation by Finch or by like I, I kind of asked Kyle about that after the game where I was like, oh, you know, like sometimes you slide you over onto the main center and then and then Rudy's in that that sort of spiral. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no, we do that sometimes when we roll with Rudy, like Rudy's our guy. And and like Finch kind of gives that, you know, that energy, too. And it it almost feels like they're offend like they're afraid of like offending Rudy by doing yes. that. And yes. I'm thinking and about like Rudy's in the Rudy. locker room when Kyle's giving that answer, and there's like three people in the locker room, so Rudy can hear every word that Kyle's yeah. saying too. Kyle started that answer with maybe we could have went to that sooner, yeah, and then starts pulling way back on it because Rudy's sitting right there. He's yeah, like, Rudy's true. our guy. We roll with Rudy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm but, with you, but I think Kyle was like. His, his they, my point was, is, is they did it in area. Utah. They did it in Utah, and he was the defensive player of the year. Like he can be the defensive player of the year and provide that defensive player of the year value in a spiral. I mean, we we saw it three, four times a year over the the past few years when when Utah would come here and it gave you know it gave the World Wolves problems by putting Gobert on Vando and Bogdanovich on on Cat like. Aaron I think Jackson, it can be a weapon. He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Yes. Largely playing off-ball defense. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, I don't know. I There was there was the time when they played Denver and Aaron Gordon, like, and Rudy was on Aaron Gordon. Gordon had a terrible game, and I thought Kyle did a good job on, on Jokic. Like, Jokic still Jokic, but, like, it felt like I, at that time I was like, okay, maybe this is going to be some of the, the defensive identity, and then it, I don't know, you know, Kyle's been in and out of the lineup. Rudy's been in and out of the lineup. Like, I don't think they've grabbed that and been like, yeah, this is part of our defensive bag and it's a weapon. Because I really feel like it can be a weapon. It is it is a way that you can weaponize Gobert, whereas sometimes him just on the big or him in drop coverage is, it's just like a defensive limitation rather than a, like, a, limits the offense rather than really being, a weapon, you know what I mean? Like I, I'd, I think I'd like to see them go to the Anderson on the five and Rudy in the spiral more. But, but maybe, maybe you said it right there. Like maybe they don't feel like they can rely on Kyle's body to be able to handle that in in large enough of a chunk. Yeah, it's. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule too, and like I don't see it coming up here where we're gonna see another instance of this anyway. So. Yeah, it. I guess it's then it goes back. Vucevic. I mean, like, I don't. <laughs> I don't yeah, I get that. I, that would probably. It's a pick and pop. You know, mm-hmm. um, you might be more okay with that, but you know, it is another pick and pop player. I get, but I again, I go to if it's the playoffs, and if you get Denver or something. In, yeah, in, in and you very first, well could get Denver. Yeah, absolutely. Very well. And and that would be like, I I I would if they have Denver in the first round. I would like to feel better about the spy Rudy look than I am than I do now. Or or even if it's they're playing Sacramento and and it's the minutes Sabonis is in foul trouble and they have to go trail out. Like I just if and when it is a stretch big, I would like to feel like the Wolves are more comfortable going to the spy Rudy look if and when that happens. And maybe they need another guy other than Kyle to be that primary that primary defender on, on the opposing big. And, you know, can Cat do that against Jokic or Embiid? Probably not. Can Cat do that against Trey Lyles or against Max and Kleba? Like, yeah, I, I, I think he can. Those are less isolation players, more pop. But, like, 
it would help if they had a second Kyle Anderson, I guess. Maybe that would allow them to to go to that a little bit more. Jace, let's grab a, let's grab one more break and uh, kind of come back, talk about Cat, come talk about what uh what is what is left here in these these fifteen games of the season. Back with Jason in a sec. Today's show is sponsored by Factor, and this new year, I have been using Factor myself. I just feel a little bit too busy uh, during the Wolves season to cook, to grocery shop, to prep, shopping, prepping, cleaning up, all that. With Factor, they have fresh food, never frozen meals that are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat them and enjoy them. doesn't matter what your lifestyle is. Factor has delicious, flavor-packed meals to help you live it to the fullest if you're keto, calorie smart vegan, veggie, or we want a protein plus option. They have all that on the menu each week. They're prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. Each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. If you want to cut back on takeout, I know I do, get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready way faster than a restaurant, just two minutes. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash danemore50 and use code danemore50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code danemore50 at factormeals.com slash danemore50 to get 50% off your first box. Today's show is sponsored by Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shade Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. It's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com, use promo code DaneMore for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 20,000 people. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Jace, we are at the final segment of the, of the podcast, which always seems to, whether it's you or anyone else, be talking about the standings and talking about where this goes and talking about where Cat is and where he's coming in. And it's the, it's the same shrug, though I feel the need to talk about it grows more and more with every game, whether it's the standings and there being fewer games left in the season, or it's talking about Cat and reacclimating Cat, and there now being fewer and fewer games for him to be able to to acclimate to the group. I mean, what what do we do with this? What what do we what do we do with this specifically? I guess the the cat part of it. I think Finch said on K Fan this morning that Cat's going to start doing live action stuff today. Yeah. Though I don't think the Wolves have practice, so I'm not no. sure what uh, that exactly means. What the hell are we supposed to do with this cat thing? Yeah, I'm really interested to see how how quick the ramp up process will be like doing some live action and then and then usually you get into like does that mean 5 on 5 because 5 on 5 usually has to be practiced before a guy will go back out there. Um I would assume live action means just like doing live some drills, drill like doing like and maybe yeah. with you know Al on the with the pad, you know, like hitting him right. when he goes like contact drills for, for I always, the first time. To be fair, like whenever just somebody would randomly ask me, I would like post all-star break here. I've just kind of said like, if there is a cat return date, I've always felt like it would be like in the 15th or the 17th. Um, and I think that's still reasonable now, like live action. Okay. Like that's still, that would be a week out. Maybe that's too quick. Um, but I think that's, that's the first like feasible date you can start to look for. Like he's not going to play Friday. Mm. Almost certainly. I don't think he'll play Monday. Um, the 15th, I think is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe like one of the games, the 17th or the 18th. I don't know. Like it's all conjecture because even Finch still like they're so allergic to the word timeline now because of like obviously because of the initial reporting of a timeline and Kat didn't like that and said, oh, it's never going to be that even though it didn't come like from the team in a release or anything. Um, so they're just like no timeline. There will be no timeline. Finch will talk pregame of the game. Cat's coming back and be like, "There's no timeline on this." He's gonna warm up and in, see how it goes. It could yeah. be in an hour and a half, but that is not a timeline. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, uh, but it's gonna be interesting to me. Like, reacclimating minutes restriction will obviously be a thing. Mm-hmm. What does that look like with the lineups? And right. then, you know, we talk about him as a scorer. Like, it's gonna be really interesting in that this team is best right now when it's really, really, really good defensively and like. With Cat on the court, can you be really, really, really good defensively? Like, that's a major question. Um, so the identity, particularly sh- while he's reacclimating to his body. I mean, yes, Carl right. has never been a uh, elite defender. You know, what's his cardio like, particularly when he's needing to play the four and four chase- to start games? And the first quarter is so important defensively. Like, yes. it really does set the tone. Like, mm-hmm. if you let the other team, if you start slow and they get in a rhythm. It's really hard to get him out of a rhythm. So, yeah. like, if if when cats the four is when you're at your worst defensively, the worst thing to do is let a team get hot in six oh. minutes, you know, and really start to feel itself on the floor. You know, like when Britt brought this up for for the first time, I I really poo pooed it, and he was like, I think it should be an extended period 
or uh, as long as he's on the minutes restriction, bring him off the bench. And I was like, man, they're not going to bring Cat off the bench, like whatever. And, you know, hearing you say that, and I think that's true, the importance of first quarter defense, the the fact that when Carl starts, he's clearly the four, like you could bring him off the bench and he's playing the five. He's playing more limited minutes. He's playing against more limited centers. Like maybe there is some logic to that. I, I can't. He's going to play 20 minutes. Why not? You know, like that should yeah. be an easy sell to him too. Like, Hey, we'll close with you. Right. You know, but, but we think, but it's easier to manage your minutes off the bench. Coaches say that about guys coming back mm-hmm. all the time. It's easier to manage minutes off the bench. Right. I was watching the, I remember watching the, the Suns first game with, with KD and he had like a 25 minute minutes restriction. And, and I mean, I guess cats missed more time than him, but KD missed a pretty substantial period of time. And, and that was, that was his timetable. And like what they did was like first quarter, right at six minutes, uh, second quarter, right at six minutes. And, and then they did that and then they had him close the game. And of course, then he exceeds his 25 minute limit, you know, and he's like 29 or 30 or whatever. Uh, it it ended up being that makes more sense with KD than it does with Cap because you don't like there is a more reliable two way element to KD's game than there is to Cats and and so that's why I think again I, I point that out to be the norm when an All NBA All Star level player comes back is they come back into the starting lineup and you and you you make it work, right? And, and even if there is a minutes restriction, but this is a unique situation because this is a unique roster uh, because they start two centers and maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is the answer. The one thing I do want to just say, Jason, and you can back me up here too, is we don't know. We don't know what's going on. And, nope. and yes, there are situations in other things where maybe we hear things behind the scenes and it's not completely corroborated. So we don't, you know, we don't share it, but we have a strong inkling as to what's going on. You might on. mention it with more confidence here, you know, like, and you're like, mm-hmm. I think this, you know, right. and th- and that is like, uh, you've heard things, you know, mm-hmm. like here, like when I say like, it could be Boston or Chicago, like that's a total guess. Yes. Like that is just, that is just looking at like, in general, like when like Ant and Austin first said that they thought he might be back and like, that, that's a good know, point. They don't seem to know either. No, and then like live action, like okay, just general ramp up. I don't think it's going to be like this two week process. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it generally isn't that in the NBA. It's like, oh, he practiced today. Like, mm-hmm. well, then he's probably like two or three days away. Right. You know, um, like Jordan McLaughlin didn't have some massive mm-hmm. reacclimation. Like, it doesn't. It like a week is about right, frankly, um, because they make sure that the guy is like Cat's not doing live action and t- unless he's like, frankly, probably ready. You know, mm-hmm. to like go and now you're working his way into like getting actually good to go in a game just like mentally and and in, in terms of the shape he's in uh, mm-hmm. but that's, this is all just a guess like you said like we don't know at all we really have nothing on this and, nobody does and, it's and wild we we one have nothing on the knowing what's going on with the injury part of it and then we certainly have no inclinations on the conspiracy theories and stuff that are out there which i don't think are completely insane for people to to go to in in their heads here i it's that's a natural reaction of a fan when a player's been out for three months with no timetable. I I I get that, but it's not that I or you or John or Chris or whoever are trying to like dodge this topic or have been told to be quiet on it. We we don't know. And you know, I I, I would assume some sort of setback or something along the way 
happened because that's been my experience when things get so shut down close to the vest from the team side that something happened that they didn't want to share. Though I don't know what that that is. And I don't mean to be unfair with that with that that speculation either. What I'm saying is I don't know what's going on with the injury. I don't know what's what's happened be behind the scenes. The only thing that I that is fair to say is there are, particularly with the star player, there is team doctors and there is individual doctors. And when it's a serious injury, you are getting second and third opinions and Maybe you Connell even confirmed that yes. uh, when he went on with Dan Barrero, he talked mm-hmm. about like, oh, yeah, I even went with Cat, you know, to mm-hmm. like New York to get this other opinion. Like they got he, from everything he said, like they got multiple opinions, multiple people looking at this and and uh, just so as that, LeBron is doing yeah, right now yeah, with his foot, hidden, you know, and that's that's pretty, especially with bigger name guys like that's pretty kind of the norm. I guess Standard. I yeah. 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 So it's again, you know, to people listening to this, like, I feel you. <laughs> like. This is this is frustrating. Uh, this is a frustrating thing. I I would imagine as as a fan to need to to need to navigate, and it's particularly frustrating when there are games or weeks that that feel like letdowns. And I think right now it's fair when it's pretty clear to me that the letdown is offensive punch with this team. That you're like, well, what? Like they clearly need Carl Anthony Towns back, and we have no idea what is going on there that 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 leads to frustration and i i don't i don't know i don't know what to tell you to do with that i i i don't know because i don't know how many times i can say i don't know that that's just what's happening here it's kind of a sign of the times that the wolves are 25 and 20 against the west this year and 9 and 13 against the east yeah power shift has definitely occurred and we all know that but it's kind of wild it it is and well, and and then the West is just so bogged down to here to the standings of it. It remains the same thing where it is night to night that that things can move. I mean, we were kind of talking about this last night, sitting around in the the media room afterwards. I was like, kind of the way I'm looking at it is, I don't think this team falls lower than eight. Um, probably doesn't go higher than six, and I would just kind of say it's going to be six, seven, or eight. Is is sort of where my feel of this situation is even if you don't factor in Carl, like even if Carl was out, I think I would still say that. I think because you bring Carl back, I, that gives you something, but I don't, I don't think it gives you enough to get up to the five or anything like that. Um, I'm just thinking six, seven or eight. And I'm thinking six is a hell of a lot better than seven or eight. If you're the wolves. Yeah. Because you don't want to play that play in it. And like you can, it's why the West is so wide open. Like, you know, people might look at it as like, oh, you should fear the Kings. They've had a great season. And that's true. But like the Kings or Grizzlies, if they were in the East right now with their record, they would not have home court advantage in the playoffs. Like those are not great teams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just kind of the reality. Like they would be they would both be like three games back of home court mm-hmm. in their conference. Um, so like they're not great teams. There's one great team in the West right now. Two, if you count Phoenix as like being there, which I think I'd count Phoenix as a great team already. Um, but I said to Britt there, if I said the the three most likely teams to win the championship are the Bucks, Celtics, and Nuggets. And then if I had to pick a fourth, I said Phoenix and Britt said Philadelphia. And I don't, you know, I maybe that's me kind of overselling that, but I I I do think, you know, Phoenix is is in that realm, um, which makes 
uh, particularly with Memphis taking a, a step back here and Sacramento having flaws, at least defensively. Like I, I, yeah, I, I think I view, I view Denver Phoenix at Memphis because the record is already so good and Sacramento as a, as a different class that the Wolves are not in right now. And then it's, it's the five to 13 kind of morass of the, of the rest of the Western conference. I think I would, I value the regular season a lot normally, but man, I really like Phoenix to like win the title this year. I mean, I really do. I, yeah. I, lo- I love the player that Devin Booker has become. Uh, Chris Paul continues to just make everybody else around him better. Like I would not want to face Phoenix in the first round because I think oh, yeah. that will be an excellent playoff team. Um, but I think it's getting more and more plausible that Phoenix is the three or the two, mm-hmm. um, especially the three. I think they probably do pass Memphis at this point. So, and man, credit to Sacramento too. Like, and I'd say talking on both sides of my mouth, I think that's the best matchup for the Wolves. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. of those teams. But um, I am consistently impressed by kind of like what you were saying with Embiid, like the composure and the consistency of that. Te- like when I turn on Sacramento. I feel like I get the same team a lot, you know, they and, dictate the way the game is played. And it's kind of like, and I, I feel that with the top four teams in the East and, and that's kind of the, I think that's in, in both conferences, like that's kind of the difference of the top four teams versus the five through eight teams is the consistency of composure um, of the, the top four versus the bottom four and the wolves firmly fit in that bottom half of it where they do not have the consistency of the composure though. If they did have that consistency, you'd be like, all right, like they can, they can play with a Sacramento, you know, they can, they can play with a injured Memphis team, you know, or a a Memphis team, not, not at, not at full strength, but it, it's weird that that's kind of feels like how it's bifurcated out right now in kind of in both conferences. Yeah. The thing about Sacramento is like, they've been so great this year because they win so many close games because they literally have one of the best clutch players in the NBA. Like Darren Fox is shooting like 60 plus percent in the clutch, which for a high volume clutch player is incredible because he gets whatever shot he wants every possession. So again, credit to the Wolves for beating them on Saturday. That's right. And and kind of did out clutch him or maybe not out clutch him, but Minnesota was ahead. So Mm -hmm. like he just had to stay level par with Fox and he really did that. He made enough to match match Darren Fox, which Mm -hmm. is tough to do. Um, and Fox was still really good in the clutch in that game. Totally. Uh, he, he got buckets, and that's what he does. But that's what makes Sacramento tough is like if you're going to play tight playoff games, Fox is going to get his, mm-hmm. um, and you've got to probably keep up because actually stopping him is difficult. Which, that, like, yeah. you know, half court game late for the last five minutes of playoff games, they get decided a lot. Sacramento has a good weapon for that. I mean, doesn't it feel like if the Wolves and Kings played in the first round that it would be like 130 Bucko, to 130 uh, every game? Every game. Every it, game would come down to the clutch. Every it would be a it would be an incredible series. It would be much like the Memphis like, series was it, incredible last year. It's like exactly what the NBA wants, right? Is that that high scoring games, pace filled games yeah. that also that also come down to the end. You know, like I, I'm a little bit more of like particularly in the playoffs, like liking seeing the the value of defense. But Wolves Kings would be like Ant would. It would like average like thirty seven for the series. Yeah. Like I would, I would, I would pick the over on on that. And um, the NBA would love that the two small market teams would yeah. be the one, would be the ones like playing the entertaining games. It was exactly like Memphis, Minnesota. Like right. not the big markets, but the games you want to see because like every one of them is wildly entertaining. So it's the last 
time the Wolves got to the second round was 04, right? And I yep, know that where they played the Kings in the second round. And and was that the Kings last time going to the second round? I would assume so because the Kings haven't made the playoffs in like 16 years or something like that. It'd be kind of interesting, like yep. those two teams squaring off for the first time going to the second round in like two decades. That'd be yeah. It's the it's the series I'm hoping for, and this is what I was saying last year with Memphis. Um, in that of the good teams in the West, I thought that not disrespect to Memphis, but I thought that that was their the Wolves' best matchup in that series. I think that kind of played out, and that's the feeling I have with this with this Kings team again. And maybe some of it is just the youthfulness, like Memphis hadn't really been there, been there too. That was probably a factor on top of the X's and O's, and and Sacramento is is that too. I think I think if you're a Wolves fan, that's I guess Sacramento's up to the two now. But if, if Sacramento finishes in the, th- I mean, that's, that's the dream. I think for, if you're the Wolves, get the six seed, play the Kings in, in the first round and, you know, take it to seven games and see, you know, see what you can do. That, that, that's my best case scenario. I think with 15 games left in the season, I think if you're going to see if it comes down to the last week and teams have like secured themselves out of the play in, like during the playoffs, mm-hmm. I think you'll see teams just jockeying to not face Phoenix um, and that like manipulating their lineups and games yeah. like the final game of this regular season, like trying to lose or win or whatever, just to avoid Phoenix. So that happened in the East last year, right? Philly intentionally. I don't even remember. Exactly. It's just if people are listening to that and be like, oh, no, teams don't do that. Like there, there is a track record of the past few years. I don't remember the specific examples, but that happens in the last like three, four games of the season because there is truth to the to the idea that your team matches up better against different teams. That that's just, that's just how this works. Jace, let's uh, wrap this up with our weekly little prize pick segment. You got some more, uh, got some more golf picks for me, Jason. I, during the football season, we did, uh, we did a weekly, or I guess when we were doing the Wednesday shows, we were picking uh, from the Thursday night football slate, obviously football season's over now. So we're just kind of, we're looking at prize picks here and just kind of putting together, uh, a slate b- between the between the two of us. What uh, what stood out to you? Yeah, okay, I'm doing golf again, but I will say 40 <laughs> times last week. Uh, the one thing I said was Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt would not go under a four three, and he went like four four one. So I nailed that one. There you go. Uh, mostly, I was like, very <laughs> few guys go sub four three, and I I don't even know if anybody did it this year. Yeah, not yeah. that I know a lot of the times, but players championship first round scores. I think I'm getting every single one of these wrong, which is kind of on par for what I do. Uh, I will go. This at all? I stink at it. Um, I'm gonna go Tony Finau, fewer than seventy one and a half strokes. I think he's just due to play well. Okay. Um, and then I'm gonna go with. Justin Thomas more than 70 and a half strokes. I know I still don't really love where his game is at. These are all just for Thursday first round scores. Okay, that's, that's what you have right here for prize picks. Yep. Um I'm going basketball again and uh my so my pick is uh I I this is my most valuable player slash least valuable player combination here. Nikola Jokic more than 21 and a half points and Russell Westbrook less than 14 and a half points. I feel I feel good about that hitting the the Clippers play the uh the Raptors on on Wednesday night and I think and Jokic plays the Bulls. Um so those those are my picks. You could put together a Dane and Ed Jace card. You could you could put those all together, see 
uh, see how that comes together. We're not promising any wins. We don't have a terrific track record here, but uh, it, I can it's promise to... losses. Like yeah. I can almost promise losses. Yeah, literally, actually, do the opposite. I bet this now means that Russ is going for thirty, and Jokic is gonna like oh they play 19, two and a half 15, quarters. Yeah, 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 right, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know. Mess around with prize picks. Uh, there's it's. As Jason and I talk about all the time, it's 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 crazy how many different things you can kind of put together, and it's it's the perfect kind of daily fantasy thing where it's it's different than just you know picking one team against the spread or something like that. I I think this is more fun. It reminds me more of playing fantasy basketball, playing fantasy football, those sort of things. So check out Prize Picks um, if that's uh, if that's something you're interested in. They will throw you a one hundred dollars sign up bonus if you use the promo code Dane uh, upon signing up there and it's it works in minnesota uh it is daily fantasy and not a sports book so check that out uh jason and i have fun picking these for you every week jace we miss anything we we did we do our weekly oh, the wolves are kind of good and the wolves are kind of not good like that's that's just that's five just and five in the like last 10 three and three since the all-star break they are right on course baby. it's it's been it's been all year and i again i think when i was talking with Britt, it's like it's been up and down, up and down, like. But it always levels this, up to 500. But it's like, if there's an odd amount of ups and downs, can you finish on? I mean, that, I, honestly, I think that's what it's going to come down to. Do you finish on an up or do you finish on a down? And if you finish on the up, I think you can get the six. And if you finish on a down, you're going to find yourself somewhere in the play-in and maybe a dangerous play-in spot as as, as the nine or, or ten. I, I, again, we've talked about the composure and the consistency of Embiid. That is what this team needs to to sink into them we've seen more of that from ant um but you need but not perfect from ant and and it's certainly not something that's kind of like spread throughout uh throughout the team need more consistency brooklyn starts on brooklyn with brooklyn on friday at home that i thought it was a good point when chris was talking to me yesterday he goes you know i don't know about the sixers game i'm not going to be too up in arms if they lose that game he goes i'm looking at Friday against Brooklyn, a middling team. How can we, we talk all the time about how the Wolves suck against bad teams and have been really good against good teams? What are they against middle class teams, right? Which is what, what Brooklyn is right now. You got Atlanta then on Monday, Chicago the following Friday. Like there's a lot Brooklyn, of those teams on the schedule. Brooklyn, I think a lot of people like Brooklyn too, just looking at their roster and being like, this is all good players. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, they didn't, it didn't work to start. Um, but I, I think that was a team with guys taking on different roles because they didn't have like a go-to guy yeah. and, and Bridges has kind of taken over that. But I think they're starting to figure it out. Like not 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 against good teams, but like three straight wins, pretty convincing. Like I think but one of them was against Boston. One of them was against Boston, and they've handled Charlotte and Houston. Mm -hmm. Um I think they're figuring it out. I think they intrigue me a lot as like a tough playoff matchup for a team because they mm -hmm. had they put five good players on the court. Yeah, um, like if they drew like Cleveland. In, yeah, in the so they're round. battling the Knicks right now for the five. Yeah, yeah, like, and I, I, I think Brooklyn would lose against any of those top four teams. But I'm, I'm with you. I think it could be like this, this random Brooklyn team that took, you know, they took Philly to seven games in the first round. Yep. Like it yep. is. I and you know, I, I did watch that game against Boston the other day. I have, I, I think I've only watched like one or two games since, since Bridges has has gotten there, but. Yeah, it, it's it's a firmly middle of the pack team, and like 
so are the wolves, <laughs> you know, right? Yep. Like that, yep. that, that's who, that's who they are right now. And to, to prove otherwise, you got to beat those teams. You got to beat them at home. You got to, you got a couple days off and, uh, got to execute, but we will see, um, that will be, that'll be next up, uh, on the schedule for the wolves on Thursday, like kind of late afternoon, evening, I will be, uh, joined by Brit. So you'll have another pod here before that Nets game, but, uh, Jace, appreciate you doing it. All right, see you, man. Uh, you can follow Jace on Twitter at Chase Frederick. Read him at the Pioneer Press. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Uh, until Thursday evening with Brit. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around. Yeah.